0: It is the Ides of February, and welcome to Trashback Ratio. Hello, it's another episode, another month of the Movie Club podcast. Uh, as ever, with me is Destiny Sturnavant. Hello. Uh, Kyle Turner. Howdy. And Em. Hi. Hey. Hi. Uh, what's What's going on? How's everyone doing? Everything good? Everything good? catching up
1: with everyone? Not really,
2: no.
0: No, me neither, you know. I relate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aw. Is everybody but, down?
2: It's, yeah. Last week was not great at all. I'm sorry, Kyle.
3: Thank you. <clears throat> I actually feel fine. <laughs> that's good.
1: Well, I guess that's good, yeah. I I'm just
0: tired. Yeah, Long I'm, day. I'm recovering from an illness so I find... I'm a bit quiet and my voice sounds a little hoarse, that's why. But aside from that, everyone's here and, I guess, ready to talk about movies. That's technically what this podcast is about. Who's seen a movie?
2: I would like to talk about a movie, sort of. That is better than I've got, so go ahead. So last Sunday, uh, NBC... No, Fox. Fox broadcasted a live television event of Greece, Oh, Which I which I watched with the intention of hate watching it because I genuinely generally had no particular interest in any of the previous televised live musicals that NBC had done, but I have been watching Greece since I was a very little boy. And um, I, I, it's not great. So the actual production was fine. Like High production values, but I felt that m- much of it was so focused on the spectacle on the artifice that you couldn't really tell if anything else was good. but um, what I thought was interesting, kind of simmering on it afterwards, was this weird preoccupation we have with Greece as a as a material as as a text because someone put it a- put it very well on on Twitter that it's <clears throat> based that it is a fantasy. Uh, that is a that it is a 2016 fantasy of a 1978 fantasy of a 1971 fantasy of <laughs> a fantasy for, of the 1950s that from uh, that is like ostensibly supposed to be a fantasy of the early 50s. It's it's a very weird like Russian doll kind of um, artifice and. I was. I've been on this weird grease kick ever since uh, watching it. I and I noticed one. I was, started watching grease when I was maybe four or five, which, given the content of the film, I have only just realized is really weird. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I also know other people who have been watching it for almost as long as that, who've been watching it since their childhood, and it made me wonder, like, how transgressive is grease actually? Like, it's. Uh, it's a sensible focus point is that it's D de- it's dismantling this idea that the 1950s were very clean and proper and everyone was very nice and, uh, s- suggesting that there was this, um, vulgarity to it that exists in kind of other products like porkies or something. So it's like this nostalgia is it's nostalgia, but with, um, ironic scare quotes, edge, um, and yet, it doesn't feel like it was ever really transgressive, ever. Except for maybe when it was initially produced in 1971 on, on Broadway. Um, because it's so imprecise in what it wants to say about its um, politics. Besides like this general idea that we're all very malleable um, people at high school age. That we're very influenced and that our identity is very much contingent on how we project onto other people and how they project onto us. And and I what I thought was interesting about this 2016 production was that they chose to really keep most things intact. Like they rewrote the script for the most part, but like the actual content and the ideas were pretty much intact with this, with the exception of certain lyrics. Like, they changed um, Pussy Wagon and Grease Lightning to Sin Wagon or Dragon Wagon. I'm not sure, actually, <sighs> what they said. And they kept the, the allusion to date rape in Summer Lovin'.
1: Oh, gross. Yes. Cool. That's and
2: cool and good. I I also noticed that um, there was a 2006-2007 reality competition show called you're the one that i want that was going to decide the two leads for the twenty two thousand seven 2007 broadway revival there's that and then glee also did a themed episode of greece they also did a themed episode of rocky horror which is also supposed to be getting a television event from fox and i was really kind of, yes and that's it's funny been making me wonder like these are two products which the appeal is supposedly that they're like really edgy and really transgressive. And I'm, um, and, and it's made me thought, like, are they really anymore? And what's no, the, no. Why, not the 70s what, anymore. what does transgression mean? So yeah, I've been thinking about Greece a lot. And I think, like, <laughs> I think on, the, on their own, I think there's to give it, to be really generous to it. There are certain songs which I think do portray an interesting complexity about navigating masculinity and femininity but like together as a whole product it is a mess it's a mess Isn't it's, the fun, greece, it's a message
1: of greece that she like changes herself to like be with this guy i've only seen yes like, yeah like in the early or excuse me the mid 90s they re-released the film in theaters so there was a mm-hmm. huge mid 90s mm-hmm. greece revival culturally and that was the one time i saw the film when i have not seen it since because it just did not Really resonate with me, uh, I yes. enjoy some of the music, but like it's not something that i'm super deeper into, so, so when I was yes.
0: younger, I saw Greece uh, as a child a k- few times, and I remember seeing it in the uh like on stage in London. It must be like two thousand and four i don't remember but I know that as a thing that happened um so to me, Greece was always the opposite of that. It was always a, like this is an established approved um the least transgressive thing possible like this yeah a approved story about high school and what life is like and so uh to me i always hated greece and it was the most normative thing i could think of like and it makes sense uh, that at one point <clears throat> it would have been intended to be that way but and like what it represents to me is definitely like the thing destiny said that the narrative is all about sandy like learning the best way to like submit to her man is to assume the identity that he wishes of her which yeah. the movie commits to I remember like so earnestly to this terrible idea that you ha- that I, I remember half thinking like wait is, th- are they saying this is a good thing is this like ironic because th- what H- hang on
1: yeah, yeah see, r- thing- it's not a
2: very self-aware film <laughs> no, see the thing that is missing from um, the production that was on last Sunday was that I don't need it to change its politics so much as i need it to be self aware about how aggressive its politics are oh, yeah. which is is like the the big thing i can sort of get the earnestness from the 70s which even then i think is very weird because it was in the midst of seven, second wave feminism it was a year, the movie came out a year after Susan Brownmiller's Against Our Will which was like the first major book about rape and women and even even that in a cultural way is very weird to me Um, that it's being released in that particular context. But here it just feels so out of place and um, without any kind of self-awareness besides like the Mm -hmm. more inclusive casting, which there's this really great piece by a friend of mine, um, Angelica Bastian on The Atlantic about the case against colorblind acting. And the problem I see with this example of colorblind acting is that although the cast is more it has more people of color in it, like it doesn't resonate or have any significance to the story, which is like very weird to me. It's like
1: the opposite of Hamilton. Like mm-hmm. it's purposely cast the way it is to say something about race in the yeah, country and, today.
2: And here it does not. It just it is a very, very strange um thing that happened. And I actually wrote about it on my blog yeah well, often that kind of casting
0: feels like casting that way in order to say as little as possible about race like oh we can't cast all white people because that is a like statement of exclusion so like we kind of like oh we'll recast this and recast this but not realizing the intent behind how to mm-hmm. actually make um intentionality with your casting decisions Token
1: tokenism tokenism yeah,
0: it's tokenism, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: but yeah no, I'm, yeah good I, grease talk good grease talk yeah uh, I'm glad that there's something interesting out of it because I was like, "Oh God, I hate Grease so much."
2: Um, I do have a fondness for Grease that is nostalgic. Yeah. For, was for the kid, most part, I, liked some of it, okay. I like some, but I do like the music. I do
0: like the music. I liked Grease Lightning as a kid because you know, I guess
2: I did not get Grease Lightning as a kid. Just, my mother just let like me sing Frenchy? it. I just wanted... I, my my two favorite songs are those Magic Changes and Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. Yep,
1: that's a that's a great song.
0: Mm-hmm. I just like anything with like I like the bad girls. I never liked Look at Me, I'm d <laughs> because as a child I was like they're being mean to her. <laughs> <laughs> that is six-year-old Jackson's reaction to Greece. That's cute. I was just gonna say,
1: speaking of Fox and Rocky Horror, that was the first t- place I saw that movie because they did like a fortieth anniversary edited for content
2: uh, version on point? Fox, huh? What's the point of doing an edited content version of Rocky Horror?
1: Honestly, that was the first, like, the first, like, ten times I saw that movie was on VH1 and Fox. Like, it was on TV. And they edit out, like, they blur out the nudity, and they take out the scene where Frankenfurter uh, seduces Brad, and you see him kind of suggestively kissing down Brad's chest. And, like, uh, I didn't see that movie uncensored until high school, and it's still a favorite of mine. But I don't know if I would... It's transgressive for, like, people that don't think about these things, I guess. (laughs) But, like, I feel like, yeah, it's more, like, in the 70s, perhaps. But maybe not so much
2: anymore. College killed any interest I had in Rocky Horror. Like, they... okay. The... the LGBTQ club that I used to run does the shadow cast thing and, like, that doesn't appeal to me. I, sit, I sit, sat in in one of the rehearsals and all those callbacks just was like, nope, my social anxiety will not permit me to enjoy this, so I'm leaving.
1: Aww, um, yeah, I'm, That's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things in the whole wide
0: world. I'm definitely too young for a Rocky Horror Picture Show in that I, I, was I, I, to, I was exposed to, like, insufferable fans of it that I knew who were the worst. So I've, like... I haven't, I've never actually seen it, but uh, my exposure to it has all been through this. It's been around for a while, and these people I've like the person I knew who was really into it was like always couched their being into it in the most homophobic. Like, haha, it's funny. I'm like into this thing that's gay, but it's weird and it's weird thing, isn't it? Funny and weird to be weird and funny and gay sometimes. Haha, and I was embarrassed for them.
2: It doesn't make sense. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm into it only like intellectually examining its various ideas and things and not being articulate about it but just as a piece of entertainment i'm an a rocky horror agnostic and thus the heretic of my lgbtq club
1: it just it makes me happy i don't know it's like a halloween tradition in my life
3: yeah Yeah, i'm mostly destiny in that i really enjoy it as like pe like performances and music but the culture around it, I care less about. Yeah, I, like, think I don't it's... want like I don't think it holds up to like scrutiny, and I don't like like the weird performance culture around its like showings, all oh, that Oh, see,
0: stuff. I love that, but that's because I used to go to those.
3: I've been to them uh, multiple times. I don't yeah. like them. I think it's love totally
0: it. a generational thing in that sense, in terms of when that was. You know,
2: don't think it's a generational thing because like there are lots of kids my age who oh, are yeah, so they, they, super into it.
0: I guess so, but like. The, we, me and you, Kyle, have, like, coming to it later, uh, that is already a big, like, known internet thing in-
3: editing. Sure, but, like, it I was came a, to it in high school. It was sure. it was a- And g- I grew it up was, listening to a, the soundtrack. Uh, maybe I'm it was wrong, a, It know. was a known thing b- when we were children. Like, it's been yeah. on forever. No, I know. Like, like, it's not of our generation. I know me, I know like,
0: like, that. Oh, maybe I'm just <laughs> talking out my ass then. No, no, I'm sorry.
1: My mom would be like, oh, when I was a kid, we saw this and we threw toast at the screen. Like, that's just, like, you know, and- yeah. Now, I mean, like they have the room, and I saw the room where we did we threw spoons, and we spoke along with it, and like it's fun, but like if you're not into it, you're not into it, like
0: whatever well, it's not for everybody. <laughs> well, tell me about movie culture thing I hate it's the real-
1: oh, I love that shit, I think when it's not forced, that's when it's fun. like it the room was kind of forced after a while, but like just, when uh our- so we mean. had a local theater, we had a local theater that uh Would show it every once in a while, to the point of Overkill, actually. But when they started, it was so much fun. It was absolutely... Like, it was just so much
2: fun.
0: Yeah, there's a local theater uh, in London that does that, and they get Tommy Wiseau every six months or so to show up.
2: That's amazing. (laughs) I almost went, because my friend is, like, in the New York company that does it every week. Um, And I almost went, uh, because she said that I could meet a friend of hers to make out with him.
1: Nah, for the room.
2: No, no, Rocky Horror. I have never, okay. seen, the, I have never oh. seen the room, but, like... Oh, the
1: room is ridiculous. I've
2: the meme culture it. surrounding that has killed any interest in me seeing it. <laughs>
1: I bought it on DVD, unwatched, after watching, like, five minutes of it on Adult Swim, because I was laughing so hard. But this was years and years ago. The culture around stuff does kind of make it a little less enjoyable, but if you can
0: get in uh, right at the beginning, I have to say, it's a fun time. No, I can't, I can't. The room is a bridge I just can't cross. Makes me uncomfortable, uh, which is mostly the culture around it. Um, mm, okay, because it totally feels yeah. like, "Ha, huh, look at this! You know, idiot thinks he can make a movie. Ha <laughs> ha! Like it well, feels he like... Is kind of an idiot.
1: I know. <laughs> like but it's the... the most sexist movie ever. Like it's disgusting. Like it oh, actually no, the... makes
0: a joke out of the movie's women, awful. But...
1: Like... Yeah, no, but like, no, it is a little. It's a little mean spirited. But, but like, like
0: it's as someone, uh, specifically. Um, with uh, autism as a thing, there's so much like this person talks when doesn't like understand social interactions or doesn't get that his movie is oh, a joke, and it just makes feels sense. like uh, mean in that way. Really, really mean in that way. So I've always that's why I'm put off by the whole.
1: I, that is a thing. fair way to look at it. I just for <laughs> me, it's just like this guy's a sexist piece of crap. I don't really care about him, but like yeah, I bought like, the movie him as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know or the but movie yeah, no. as a thing <laughs> and also i like schlock i like things that are so bad they're good like that's just a part of my personality yeah there are certain situations where you actually you know you do feel sorry for the people and you don't want that to be like a thing that happens but guys making a ton of money
0: off of it don't feel too bad for them yeah tell me what i was doing right <laughs> um so, anyone else seen a movie? That was some good talk. That was discussion That's about great. things on a podcast. As <laughs> uh, t- we want to do, as we are want to do. Has anyone else seen a movie?
1: Um. Honestly, I haven't watched anything new. I did rewatch Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown, which is even better than I remember. Oh, I saw. I Harry rewatched well. that too. Yeah, no- yeah.
0: Jackie Brown's the best. Oh, it's so good!
2: Isn't it so I've good? Watched- I rewatched it after hating the Hateful Eight, and oh, I wanted yeah? to go back and rewatch all of his films to see whether I hated him or not.
1: What what held up for you? I want to know. This is interesting. To me.
2: So it's not that the films themselves did not hold up. Um, just I was often more conscious of certain uh, writerly ticks and habits he was making. But I think what was interesting was that I think that um Tarantino is best when he understands language as a kind of game. So in Jackie Brown language ends up being a con and he's like and and language is the primary thing that is conning everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. In
2: Kill Bill, uh the first part at least, um the the opening sequence when Bill is saying, Do you find me sadistic? It has words have this duality about it about them where they operate as both sadism and masochism. Um the the Bar scene in *Glorious Bastards*. Language is game, yada yada yada. So I, I like Tarantino when he is cognizant of how language operates in manipulative ways. Um, and then *Death Proof*, I think, is his best film because that's one of my favorites. Yeah, like *Death Proof* and *Jackie Brown*. *Death Proof*, mm-hmm. because I think it's this very interesting when they're not talking. I think it's this very interesting rhythm. <laughs> response to like the how how people often say to victims of sexual assault um you were asking for it i really like how this is kind of a, a cinematic answer to that to those words
1: because mm-hmm.
2: uh, because i it, it's just i'm having trouble articulating my ideas
1: That's okay. No, I just, I just am curious because I, the only Tarantino movie that I have a hard time enjoying upon the rewatch for no real reason other than it just doesn't grip me very hard is, um, Reservoir Dogs.
2: Yeah, I didn't care for that one.
1: Like, I loved it the first a million times I saw it. I don't know, just something about, it's just, you know, he's done better. And I actually, the farther away I am from The Hateful Eight, the more I like it. Don't know what to make of that, especially after watching The Thing in the theater. Something mm-hmm. about like I've seen the thing before, but seeing the thing after Hateful Eight made me like Hateful Eight more.
0: <laughs> it's a little odd, I know. The first time I saw Reservoir Dogs is one of the best times I've had watching movies. But yeah, going back to it, it doesn't have that same intensity. magic. Yeah,
1: I watched it I for the first time. I think I'm the only black actually. person in the world. Oh, it' cool. Um, I think I'm the only black person <laughs> in the world that like loves Django Unchained. That's probably my second favorite Tarantino movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Brown jumping up after the rewatch, jumping back up to number one.
0: I think Jackie Brown's my favorite, but uh, yeah, I haven't gone through it so mature.
2: Yeah, my friends call me hipster for thinking Death Proof is the best. Whatever, it's great. Your friends are wrong. I also like, um, so I I do like Tarantino being cognizant of language as this manipulative manipulative tool, but. I also like how he can settle back and not use it that way. So another reason why I like Death Proof is that you are understanding these characters as fully realized people with their own lives. Yeah. Which I, for some reason, don't get the same sense of in his other films. Because there's no particular objective for the, for the language to bring you from point A to point B in Death Proof. Um, it just, it feels not quite naturalistic but it operates in a very different way
1: it reveals character more than it reveals plot
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: and i feel that way about most of his uh dialogue well, well death uh, proof is set up very specifically and the thing that you are there to see happen is built up as the most evil kind of intrusion into these uh fully developed lives that you are made to care about uh, whereas that's not the case i guess in the other Tarantino movies I like Desperate a lot. I hate to see Me too. Good, good movies. Yeah, I saw Hateful Eight in the time between the last podcast and this podcast. Um, I and like I didn't like it that much. Haven't I? Haven't I've barely thought about it since. That's maybe the most damning thing I can say. Yes. Ooh. Whereas
1: I can't stop thinking about it.
0: Uh, that's good. Um, I thought the final shot was pretty hilarious, and. Mm-hmm. Because I remember coming out of that, and everyone was like, I could tell the atmosphere in the theatre was like, oh, this is an emotional ending. What I am like (laughs) trying to uh, choke back laughter so I don't ruin the mood for everyone else (laughs) at the end of that that movie. Silly, yeah. Fucking pulls out, drops the West Wing sting. I'm like, god damn it. God damn (laughs) it, Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I guess um, a movie I've seen, unless anyone else has more to say on Tarantino stuff but I think we've covered that over the last two months um the movie I saw was Creed what did you think? it's uh excellent um I like it a lot it has a specificity uh in the way it like evokes what Rocky is that made it uh like really interesting in terms of who the protagonist is their background like um rocky is presented as this uh like universal american fairy tale right like for the 70s and Mm -hmm. the way the creed updates that in terms of okay so rocky is about this uh lower class white dude from philly um so we're gonna go to uh this new protagonist who is the son of apollo creed he um i guess slight spoilers for the setup of this movie because i don't want to actually spoil it um, but I don't know how much you guys know. So, warning. You don't know English. much of anything other than what you just said. So it's uh, uh, the son of Apollo Creed who was ha- like uh, born in an affair. So they grew up uh, for the first six years of their life in uh, this facility. Uh, and they are basically taken by um, Apollo Creed's wife and they are raised, uh, and they grow up as, like, the son of this, uh, what's the word, like, you know, I can't. so this, this kid, this, this, basically, I'm talking nonsense, I shouldn't be summarizing, I guess, if you <laughs> want to, uh, summarizing is hard, I can just say my ideas. If you want to know more about Creed, check out your local <laughs> yeah. library. Uh, but basically, the way it deals with this idea of, it's this black kid raised, um, in this very rich environment but who was not like who is technically the birthright of it in that their father is this famous celebrity but they spent their first years in uh this uh like abandoned government facility that really did not treat its children well um and the way it deals with the like uh idea of uh black wealth as a concept and how that relates to like this person and their communities that they're in and their perceptions of the relationship to the people around them is like incredibly interesting and i love that it is so specific in what it's about in how it's telling the story rather than just this person was poor and they need to prove themselves so they are going to do the fight and the first rocky is also really specific in how it presents this universal sports uh fairy tale but like puts it in a environment that is like uh, sociologically relevant at the time and i think creed does a really good job of doing that in 2016 2015 uh it's fantastic i love it a lot it's great there are people like cheering at the screen as the fights were going on as if it was a real boxing match they were watching (laughs) Uh, but yeah that's creed so i guess uh, uh, em have you seen the movie or do you want to go straight to the movie club
3: no i haven't seen anything
0: fair enough uh I guess we've had some pretty good talk, so we can begin the movie club segment. This doesn't have to be a long podcast, we can just see how long we go. Um this was Kyle's pick. So
2: do you want to introduce the movie, Kyle? Hi, I'm Kyle. Hi. And, for February, and for February, we watched a pitch of Pongs, We Erased the Cools, Tropical Malady. I've been practicing saying that for like maybe 10 hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's wonderful.
2: <laughs> um and I I finally learned how to spell it without looking it up. Cuz he he actually just has all of his friends call him Joe because he's a hard to pronounce name. But it is a, it is a Thai film um uh that is ostensibly about um a soldier who falls in love with a village boy. Um and how they i guess how they navigate their feelings for one another um i actually don't think it's totally dissimilar to carol uh in how it's so much about looks and touches and glances and like the words don't the words don't matter as much because they're drowned out by this environment around them which i think is really interesting the sound design in this film i think is really fascinating and how it drowns out even Even when they're talking to one another. And that the thing that really matters is this ineffable, intangible connection that the two have. Yeah. And then there's this weird shift in plot, which was kind of interesting in theory, but I didn't especially care for it. It's like a guy hunting a tiger, and the tiger is a ghost or a human, and they build a connection to, and I don't know.
1: It's a shaman who can shapeshift, isn't it?
2: Oh, okay. Yes.
1: And then Uh, the soldier is hunting him down, but they have this connection because it's like you can't. uh, It wants to be released from the ghost world. So either the the soldier has to be eaten or he has to kill
2: the creature. I had tapped out at that point. It It was was a
1: long segment.
2: It was really long. Mm-hmm. I appreciated it but I in comparison to the first three fourths of the film it was not as interesting to me because it was such a dramatic shift
0: it's the first half I think I think the first mm. segment is like 54 minutes of the last
3: segment, yeah no right they're now. they're divided pretty equally okay fine then I'm just a loser no 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 it it's okay uh,
1: it like we were it was very late when we watched, and I'll admit like the second half is I actually think it's a really like enthralling segment I just uh it's it's hard to watch when you're sleepy,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was similar to Carlin that I really thought the first half had this energy on uh, like that propelled its uh like slow pacing and the second half, like, deliberately pulled back to something a lot more restrained. Um, But that left it me finding it rather cold, despite understanding, like, okay, it's like retelling the same story, but in this completely different context, uh, because it's the same two people, right? Um,
2: Yeah, same actors. Yeah. I didn't get if it was implying... Oh, okay, I didn't realize that. Okay, now I probably, if I went back and watched it, I'd get more out of it. I didn't get if it was implying that the soldier
0: in the second half was the same soldier or if it was
2: i, I, I guess it doesn't even matter
3: um, yeah, i don't think it's implied that they're the same soldier destiny noticed because the uh movie loop back to the beginning when we we're done watching it yeah. uh that the basically like at the very first scene is the soldier telling the woman who's making dinner the story about the tiger which she's like oh it's that's such a sad story
1: yeah she's crying And she, you know, like, and yeah, they keep implying that, like, it's some story that's being told a lot through the first half. Like, even when uh, the soldier is sleeping near the end of the first half, somebody even says, like, there's a monster out there killing the cows. I found a paw print next to one of our cows. Uh, There's something out there. I
0: couldn't tell if that final uh, shot with him on the bed Was like the beginning of the second half or the end of the first half? I thought it was a bit of both. Yeah, because it was totally functions as both.
1: And then they mentioned that the second half is based on stories from the woman that they meet Mm
2: -hmm.
1: when they go to that like kind of underground temple thing.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. with
1: the creepy bats. I don't know. There weren't any bats in that scene, but just the fact that they kept talking about it, I'm like, why would you go there? Why would you go there?
0: Because no. I don't want bats in my hair. I don't want bats anywhere. No bats. Are no. bats
2: prone to flying towards hair?
0: <laughs> Not mine. They're <laughs> scary.
1: They're gonna. They're gonna find your hair.
2: <laughs> you
0: just know they're gonna do
2: it.
1: It's awful. Ugh. Would you want a bat in your hair? No. Then don't cute. even. <laughs> it's a cute little guy. Cute little bat guy. I don't think. <laughs> Some I w- bats can be cute.
0: I don't think I want anything in my hair. Cute or unkey, my hair shall stay unblemished. You
1: don't want anything crawling in your hair?
0: Ah! <laughs> no no bodily fluids in your hair? No, nothing. Just no to wash bodily, Just, just fluids. conditioner. No, just conditioner and shampoo, I guess. The two of those things could go on my hair. But aside from that, mm-hmm. and water, I guess, also has to be present in that scenario. But those are the yeah. three things.
1: I'm with you, friend. I don't like getting a lot in there. It's it's it's, it's a, My hair is very kinky. I don't want to have to... Getting stuff in it's an an ordeal. Getting it what is almost an ordeal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway, I really liked this movie. Uh, I tried not to overthink the second half too much. I enjoyed it just as this beautiful... uh, Almost like a fairy tale about just like... You know, the... the, uh, the, the classic man versus nature situation. Also, um, I uh, really liked the way that they tried to connect the two stories without being super overt about it. Uh-huh. Also, the first half was super cute and sweet. Yeah, the first And half I uh, was spoiled by awful American uh, gay tragedy, so I kept expecting something horrible to happen. Same. And it never did. It never did. And it was great.
0: <laughs> I was also expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> i mean he does just walk off at the end
1: yeah so yeah but still like they if... obviously are into each other and they'll probably see each other again
0: oh i didn't i, get I was almost indication.
2: i was almost disgusted with how well it was going and i was hoping he was going to go badly i feel like i've been conditioned to believe that we don't deserve good things <laughs> see that's why it's so nice to just watch something happy I I actually prefer my romances to end poorly. I like it when bad things happen in in romances, which is why I like American politics. I
1: I just I I, I only like it in certain contexts. But I I thought mm. this was a really sweet, and I also kind of liked how slow it was, and how mm-hmm. you kind of took in all the places and people, and I enjoyed the um, like the talk. Of the chit chat involving, like, I know they they referenced that Uncle bon Me movie. Is that is that how you pronounce it?
2: I think so.
1: And um, they there's just a lot of like talk about just the spirit world coexisting with like the real world, and I don't know that that was super cool to me. I was really into that connection maybe it's the hippie in me i don't know but i i ate it up i thought it was a really gorgeous film
0: yeah i thought it looked fantastic uh the way in which it portrayed the city through like the lights and the like long shots uh and the sound design like the its sense of space was like if you compare uh this movie to our last movie which was also deliberately slow restrained going for like Art movie vibe. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is like, oh, you can do that, and it doesn't just bore your brain out. Okay, that other movie was that last
2: movie,
0: Uh, Trouble Every Day. Exactly. (laughs) Good question, Kyle.
1: Yeah, no i I uh, definitely enjoyed this more than that. It was definitely like, also, it had singing in it. Love when a movie just has singing in it, just for the heck of it. Yep. Nice romantic scene. Imagine of a lady like just song. belting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I I loved the way that it placed its camera, uh, alternatingly very close to its subjects and very far away, mm-hmm. as p- putting them in a particular context and in, in time and space. I liked that.
0: And uh, what did you think? We haven't heard from you.
3: Uh so I think I'm unique here in that I think I prefer the second half over the first. Um. I think the first is fine as like a lighthearted romance thing, but I think that the second half is more honest about the dynamic between those characters. Mm -hmm. Um, if you take them them them. as like sides of the same coin, the like playing fascination that they have with each other, uh, like putting the tropes of like, you know, they're like meet cute and like hanging out and whatever, like it's all there, but it all feels kind of like well-trod at this point. Um, And I bet it probably still would have felt well-trodden in 2004. Um, I enjoyed, like, the vignettes of, oh, they hang out with these ladies, and these ladies talk about growing pot and going into, the uh, like, those shrines and crawling through caves, and that's all really great. But, like, um, the emotional center of that movie is about these two characters and their, like, endless dance around each other, neither quite willing to, like, go for it, but always playing at it. And when you reduce that down to, like, the abstraction of these elements of literally a man versus beast in the forest. I feel like it comes to like a sort of rawness that the first half doesn't really have. Um, and I just, I like the idea of a romance being presented in soldier and tiger man trying to murder each other in the woods. Uh, there's something very uh, Herzogian about it. Oh that yeah. I, 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 I,
2: I like I like the way that you put that and it makes me want to go back and give it a second chance because I watched it very, very late. So, yeah.
3: I like, yeah. I mean, it is like meandering and like, it, it's a thing that demands that you kind of sit with it as like a mood piece more than like a piece of narrative cinema that you just sit down and like have delivered to you. But I don't know. I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I, it was weird because like I kind of went into this movie because I watched Uncle Bon Me and didn't really like, like it or get it back when it was relevant. Um, new I guess is the word not relevant but uh, so I was like I, I hope that I like this one and I just kind of clicked really good with this one so I was uh, pleased pleasantly surprised yeah
0: uh, I That's found good. that stuff like I appreciated that stuff I was like, oh I see what you're doing uh, but the um, meandering tone uh, was like too much of a bridge for me to cross in I guess the mood I was watching it which was, it wasn't bad mood but I was like how long are you going to take to cross this field okay
1: um, yeah, I felt it ran a little long. Oh, go on. Sorry, you were still going. No, nah, that's really what i had to say. Yeah, uh, it ran a little long, but like thematically, I thought it was really great.
0: Yeah, I think like the final scene and the final moment is good of just them not knowing, like both of them kind of wanting the other one to, uh, you know, make the leap into their side, and the other one not quite able to do that. Uh, both halves ended on that point. Of uncertainty and just I, this all there could have been a third movie that was the same thing in a different form that mm-hmm. also never ended um,
1: it was uh unexpected I didn't know what to expect going in because I didn't know anything about this film, uh, but I'm glad we watched it, especially since i don't really I don't think I've seen any other time movies.
2: I don't know if I have. I think I've seen like maybe one or two others, but I know that this has been on my list for a very long time. And actually, this came in a little box that was sent to me from this PR person that I've been flirting <gasps> with for a year. So. Well, got a reply. <laughs> oh, I, I sent, I sent him, um, like this John Waters poster. Cool. Out,
3: outside of this and, uh, Uncle Bon Me, the only time movies I've seen are action films, so. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> Do you think uh did it uh was there anything like culturally in common aside from the obvious? Was there anything like you
3: could No, no, absolutely no. <laughs> In the Protector, funny. uh Tony Jaw like throws an elephant through a window. It's pretty good. Whoa. Go see the protector. <laughs> that's
2: Let's watch a, it next It's A good
0: selling point for the Protector.
2: hmm
0: yeah, do we have anything else to add about *Tropical Melody or are we going to have
3: this be a short one? Let's have it be a short one. Yeah, nice. I, hey,
1: I don't have much to say, unfortunately. It was a good movie. Like, uh, it's hard to talk about them when I like them.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's hard to talk about them when we love. Like, this was good, and it did the thing, and it was. I feel like one thing I would compliment this movie on is that, despite being, you know, very restrained and movie that you have to sit with and in jest, It's actually super self evident about all of its themes. Like I don't think there's much like I couldn't uh deconstruct this film in a way that even when we were talking about Tarantino movies earlier, those uh, have way more stuff there in them. And I really liked how just like this movie was No, this is what the movie is and you will watch it and understand it. Um like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm saying, I'm saying it was I
2: I think it it presents its themes as um ingestible lyricism yeah uh, yeah
0: i mean like it's really direct is i guess what i'm getting at like it doesn't you it doesn't use its um restrained style to obfuscate what it's saying it doesn't like expect you to do the work of decoding it it's actually a really direct and uh, honest film about what it's about and i appreciate yeah that I,
1: I like not having to solve it like a lot of art movies sometimes you feel like you have to solve them yeah and that's not i don't think that's a way to enjoy a film
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah like, and
1: obviously it can be but like i'm really glad this wasn't one of those
2: <laughs> a lot of the, this is like considered part of the slow cinema movement um and a lot of the stuff that puts me off from that is because i feel like they I'm actively trying to solve a puzzle that won't let me in. Um, and i so I've always approached films like this um at arms like length. and actually, I um wasn't inclined to watch David Lynch movies at first because I felt that I was going to end up having to play this really obnoxious um, intentionally uh, confusing game, this elusive little thing. But I have learned to enjoy it For David yeah. Lynch And I'm glad that I didn't have to do, the, do it with um, apparently, apparently I'm just going
0: to on a movie to prove my point uh, This is the reason that I really don't like Upstream Color
2: I have not seen that yet
0: That I'm movie
1: so is kind of a mess Like I liked it at the time But I think emotionally I was just in a place To where it was sad In a way that I needed it to be But I will say now That it's it's not the best movie
3: Upstream color's garbage.
0: I was <laughs> <laughs> so dis- I also like Primer for completely different reasons than everyone else does. Apparently, Primer's is great. It's a, it's great, but I've I not it. seen it. I was that's like,
2: something I also don't really want to want to watch if it means that the entire purpose of watching the movie is working through
3: a puzzle. That is not
2: how I appreciate Primer.
3: I mean, I don't think I don't, that, think, I don't think Primer actually works when you try to approach nope. it that way.
2: No, no. I'm just saying hi. I'm just saying that that's what it looks like to me. I'm not saying that's what it is.
1: Yeah, it probably was sold Enemy to is, you
2: on that. It's way. Enemy more, was also sold to me like that. It's way more comparable to something like The Social Network for me.
3: Uh, uh no. It's a
0: dry it. movie and a lot of technical stuff about the disintegration of a relationship when
2: an invention is made. Like, it is the same story. Isn't that I, also Je T'aime, Je t'aime, and Eternal Sunshine?
0: Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't, Eternal Sunshine's not about the inventors of the thing, though, is it? Um, what do you mean? Like, uh, because I've not seen it, but Jim Carrey doesn't invent the memory. You haven't seen Eternal Sunshine? No. Why? You should probably
1: go do that. It's so so good to see it! I have so many
0: movies to see. I am but a wee child in terms of my movie watching compared to you lot. You'll love it. It's um, so
2: beautiful. No, it, Jim Carrey does not invent the machine, but I think it is as much about like what what role the people who are operating the machine have in terms of memory and temporal understanding of of the self as Jim Carrey and his, his ex girlfriend.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. they're uh, Kate Winslet. Uh, Kate but Winslet. Yeah. yes, <laughs> sorry, that was just yeah. No, but no, that that movie. Yeah, the people that are behind the invention are very much important. Characters in the film. Okay, cool.
0: But yeah, no. I like I said. I have a weird, <laughs> I have a weird interpretation of Primer. Or at least the things that stick out to me in it are not the same things that, that that's okay. Most people take from it. Uh, but you should watch Primer. It's a good time. I guess that's I should good. go watch Hotel Sunshine and a thousand other movies. I've not seen enough. So no, enough it's time okay.
2: Have you seen her?
0: Yeah, I've seen her. Okay,
2: that's one of my favorites. I like her a yeah. lot. Um, but. I guess that's it. Do we have any... Well, I I have... A, well, you can cut this out if you want to, but I mean, the reason why... I, I think it's funny that um, I have always picked February and I've always picked films that have to do with romance. So I think maybe for like the theme, we should talk about more movies about romance that oh, we like.
0: Do you want to talk about oh! romance movies? That's totally a thing we can do. Yeah. I can do that impromptu. Someone else needs to go so I can go look stuff up. But
1: All I... right. Uh, Usually not a big romance fan, but, okay, Eternal Sunshine, though, is one of my favorite, favorite movies just because I like that it's about the commitment to something that just doesn't work. I think that is human uh, imperfection just magnified. That is one of my favorite movies about that topic.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Like, me and heterosexuality.
0: <laughs> <Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba>.
2: <laughs>
0: I'll be here all week. <laughs>
2: um, I, I tend to be, like, really into very cynical films, or at least films that um, uh, uh, tend to prop themselves up as, as very cynical and then kind of drop the ball in the third act. But I, I like these kind of anti-romantic films stuff like Antichrist or Gone Girl um, or The Lobster because I think there's this very interesting honesty that they have in approaching very crucial issues with regards to relationships in terms of like communication and pain and comp- compromise that, that conventional romances tend to dance around or just not address. And I think by addressing them head on even in a very cynical way, there's there's an authenticity to that that I don't think conventional romances have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would even call films like Her and Eternal Sunshine, which orient themselves or are sold as conventional romances, are actually anti-romances. And I think that, that being as honest and, and sincere about those issues that one may encounter when trying to navigate uh, love... Um, I think that's way more interesting and romantic in a, in its own right. That okay. Makes sense. Uh,
0: yeah, I have, um, an answer of a movie that I saw recently that's become one of my very favorite movies, uh, which is the girl who leapt through time is probably, uh, my new favorite romantic movie, um, which is a movie that I was so terrified I was going to hate. Um, because it is a light, fun times, high school comedy about cute people having cute relationships, and if there's anything that's gonna be, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, right? That's so. Um, I was like really scared that I was gonna dislike it because I uh, I hate disliking those movies um, because I don't like uh, my own like sadness and trauma getting in the way of embracing something really optimistic but when i watched the girl who like for time i was like oh this is hitting me in every single way it is the most um just uh hopeful tragic like uh light and still full of all this uh existential pathos about the impossibility of anything ever going right um but the importance of still trying in the face of that uh, it is. Um, like it hit me in a very personal way, but I think it's a fantastic film. Uh, like b- before that, like my favorite romance was probably you know very boring answer like Annie Hall or something. I don't know. Um, not I that, still think Annie Hall's a great oh, romance. Annie Hall's a great romance and a great movie, but it's dead. And you know, it's, I don't think it's an interesting answer. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's like I don't know. I like I like my romances kind of simple. I like, um, sort of, uh, I don't know. Does, uh, modern times count? Modern times (laughs) totally counts. It is the, uh, romance in, like, Uh, one moment. Like, that final shot? (laughs) Ugh, I can't even think about it without crying. It's so pretty to me.
3: So, I think, as a cast, like, I can just say, like, everyone here who's seen it likes Weekend, right? oh yeah everyone loves yes yeah and everybody likes the before trilogy right
1: oh yeah that's what i wanted to talk about next
3: but uh the two that i actually want to bring up are kind of like doomed like epic romances and those are in the mood for love and the fountain Mm. which kind of occupy the same place in my mind of like romances that are so big that they end up breaking down a sense of reality in their like expansiveness. And I like them. Like, I like both those a lot, kind of for the same reason, even though they could not be more different as films. Um, I totally agree. And I'm,
2: I'm attracted to those films, especially in the mood for love uh, for similar reasons and weekend, especially actually, Uh, although, um, a lot of people talk about that one in the Before Trilogy, but Weekend, um, and In the Mood for Love have this, this yearning to them that I am totally struck by and find incredibly intoxicating, and then it ends horribly, which is. So I don't also into, I don't
3: think weekend ends horribly. Okay.
2: I'm, I'm exaggerating. I mean, I'm hyperbolic, but it doesn't like, like they come to an understanding, but like, it's not what you would necessarily want to happen, but I think it's, it's the right thing to happen for the context of that film.
3: I don't think it's like with, like, I think it's a hopeful ending. Like sure. It doesn't end resolved, but it ends with like the air of potentiality, like in the mood for love ends with like a finality and like a irrevocable loss that I don't think weekend has.
2: I don't know. I don't know.
3: Um,
2: yeah. Forty-five yeah. years, I think. I've ha- watched it. <laughs> I-, I think the open. I, I guess maybe you're right, um, but I think those open endings is what I find in- ha- interesting about Andrew Haig's work. Um, Forty-five years has a sim has a similar open ending that that at least kind of gives the impression of a kind of finality, and I guess that's that kind of ambiguity is what I like about his films. And his first film, um, Greek Pete, which is not a romance really, but it has this uncertainty about whether you can understand the ending as something totally f- final and definite or as something open uh, to possibility that i think is interesting mm-hmm.
0: uh i have a really weird answer it's not it's not actually one of my favorites but it is something that was important to me uh in, it's a very strange answer in this in that i remember when i was a teenager being in, like surprisingly affected by the little romance like subplot in Starship Troopers of all things Um, Uh. because that movie begins with like this very obviously telegraphed like these people are going to get together style you know action movie thing but then halfway through everything's fucked up they're on in the middle of a war and then they just get with whoever they happen to be around who they like and seeing this um movie that at the time I was watching this is a fun goofy thing not realising you know the context of uh, Paul Verhoeven as director and like you know I was a bit younger then uh Uh, And this moment of, oh, it's totally okay to just be in situations that are not the perfect movie situations uh, and have, uh, like, embrace that as something positive uh, was cool to see in the middle of uh, otherwise, you know, goofy, exaggerated blockbuster. I remember that being a cool, like, touch.
3: That is the most Jackson answer of a thing I could ever imagine. What do
0: you want from me?
1: I'm oh, not God. saying it's bad.
3: I'm just saying it's very you.
0: What, what
1: does that mean? I feel like these that's are the kind of re- answers insult. we want. We want personal answers that
2: are unique. Uh, if you're looking for a personal answer, yeah. um, her has always been very resonant with me because I saw that film a little early when it, was, when it had its limited release in only New York and LA. My friend and I went to see, uh, see it in New York. And at that point I was in a long distance relationship with someone and that seeing that was like not fun at all. It was like the least fun thing you could possibly imagine. And at towards the end, like about 10 minutes before it was ending, um I started weeping in the theater or sobbing. Sobbing is more accurate a term. So I had to like cover my mouth to stifle my sobbing and dig my right foot into the concrete floor to keep my from like being too loud. And my friend told me after we left the theater that she had looked at me and she was going to ask if I was okay, but it was too awkward because of how strongly and the cascade of tears was falling down my face. And then I saw the film again after we ended up breaking up. Um, and <clears throat> partially out of masochism, but also because I was interested in how I would respond to the film after everything had happened. And it was actually a very cathartic experience for me because it felt it felt natural i guess that um it, it allowed me to get some closure for some reason mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's good any others wa- anyone wants to bring up or should we
1: mine up? is well if we're getting personal i have yes. a weird one because it's not i don't want to spoil the movie but it's called my summer of love it was a Oh, early aughts sort of um British lesbian thing, and it's just about these teenagers being the most teenagery teens ever, and it just encapsulates everything I felt about romance and just how people treat each other and the nature of truth.
0: Like, just
1: oh, like that one got me through some breakups.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um along those lines it's uh documentary about a uh like it's it's stories we tell which was that 2012 documentary about a mm. person going back and like realizing oh there are these things in my parents relationship and like retelling that story
2: um
0: sarah paulie sarah paulie that's the name i'd lost it and thank you mm-hmm. thank you very much uh that's great it has one of my favorite endings of a movie ever. Um, I don't need to
1: see that i, I have it a hard it I can't it.
0: even spoil it it's't uh, like it's yeah oh, what a good yeah so I won't say anymore because I don't want to spoil that um I also my final one would I don't even know if this counts but shout out to the tragedy that is broadcast news
2: mm. that's mm. an interesting film because when I was younger and in high school I really identified with Albert Brooks's character mm-hmm. feeling like all put upon and like very friend zoned and whatever. I was a horrible teenager really. We um, all were? And then I've watched it a couple of times since high school and I, I have come to realize how flawed his character is. I don't think he's a bad person but I think he's deeply lacks self-awareness. And I like so much that um, Holly Hunter... Chooses her job.
1: Yeah, that movie I saw it in my twenties, so like I did not like the Albert Brooks character. Like I thought he was funny, but like his unrequited romance, like I was not sympathetic towards him at I all.
0: I ended up being fairly sympathetic towards all three, despite most of them being terrible a lot of the time. Uh, I thought she was great. Oh, she's she she's terrible. Great. No, she's great. <laughs> I've always got to have a five minute cry in the car. Like you got to do Here- it. She
1: has a superiority complex, but, like, I relate to that real hard sometimes <laughs> with, like, just going through that, oh, I'm I'm the smartest one in the room, right? Like, kind of a thing, and then, it, it, I don't know, but, uh, I don't know. I, I think that that's a, as far, like, romance aside, that's just a movie of well-written characters.
0: Yep. But, yeah, anyone got anyone? And then, uh, if not, we will call this podcast to a close, I assume. I think we're done. I think we're done that was a good talk maybe we'll do more stuff like that later with actual prep i don't know we'll see um this was
2: fine that was good yeah
0: yeah maybe next time we'll be like what is the genre of the thing that's all right that's a good idea live podcast epiphany is happening Mm -hmm. on the
2: podcast
0: Mm -hmm. Um, heck yeah heck yeah so where can we find everyone kyle you can go first
2: you can find me on twitter at Tyle Kerner T-Y-L-E-K-U-R-N-E-R And I ride around the internet And sometimes transcribe for people And do stuff like that But you can find my work At tilekerner.tumblr.com.: Uh, Destiny I'm at
1: FridgeBuzz now on Twitter BattlingGirls.com You can find me at Goof.zone Where I have a podcast with Jackson Where we talk about our feelings
0: It's on iTunes now Yes Look for that
3: uh, M. You can find me at Abnormal Mapping, uh, which is the video game podcast with Dusty and Jackson. AbnormalMapping.com. We're on iTunes. We do a bunch of good podcasts. Check out our YouTube channel also. You know, video game stuff.
0: Yeah. And you can find me at uh, all those places. Oh,
3: wait wait, 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 wait. I'm also on Twitter. Sorry. Oh, right. Uh, at EM underscore being. Thank yep. you.
0: I'm at Twitter at HeadphonesOff and com alongside... Those other podcasts previously mentioned that I am guesting on. I guess not guesting on. I guess I'm part of them. Way to downplay my own role. Mm. Alright, goodbye. Go away. You've listened to a We're podcast. We're not done yet. We're yes. not done yet. You're the worst host. Fuck! I genuinely forgot. After months of anticipating being told I was forgot.
3: On the one I was time, gonna, I was like, "Oh, he'll do it after the uh, no, outro." No, because I'm always waiting for you to yell at me. <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was. I trusted you. No, never. We, again.
0: we had moved past it, and by <laughs> me again. genuinely fucking up, we have gone back a whole year. What's the next <laughs> month's movie, Matt? Matt.
3: So, so it's my choice for movie this time, and I'm picking the 1995 film Ghost in the Shell. It's an anime. Cool. Cool that's all i got
2: yeah Who, who's it by
3: who's it by it is uh directed by mamoru Oshii and uh written by kazunora ito yeah nice. it is based on a manga
0: i have seen that before but i'll go get that and watch it again
3: i haven't seen it since i was a baby teen and yeah, God, uh,
0: i was like 14 yeah you're right
3: i would like to revisit it
0: nice all right well next month Come the whole anime talk. It's going to be great. Goodbye. Now you have listened to the podcast and may leave. That includes you, people, recording the podcast.
2: Bye. Bye. Oh, I didn't want to leave. Okay, fine. Bye, everyone. (laughs)